Ezekiel chapter 37, beginning in verse 1. When you have it, say amen. It reads like this. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. And then he caused me to pass by them all around. Behold, there were very many in the open field. And this is the part I want you to focus in on right here. It says, there were many in the open field, and indeed, what? They were what? They were what? Come on, say it louder. They were what? They were very dry. They were very, very dry. There are some leaders even here tonight that you are not very, very dry. You are very, 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 very dry. And watch what the Lord asked him. He says, son of man, can these bones live? Go down to verse 10. He says, so I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood up on their feet in exceedingly great bless me club. In an exceedingly great family. An exceedingly cool-looking, skinny-jean-wearing, eyebrow-plucking group of people. No, 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 that's not what it says, is it? It says, then they lived and they stood up upon their feet, what? An exceedingly great army. Father, tonight we thank you for your word. We thank you for leaders that have gathered together that take their spiritual growth seriously. We thank you that you're raising up leaders in our midst, oh God. I pray you anoint me and use me to deliver the message you've placed in my heart for not only our church, but also for those that have come out, Father God, to grow and to be trained, oh God, tonight. I pray you use me mightily. Open up our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. You know, in 25 years of doing ministry, and I've been doing ministry a long, long time now, I've discovered that environment is everything. Write that down environment is everything. I want to tell you something about environment. Your environment will either make you or break you. Are you hearing me today? Not every church that is beautiful on the outside is experiencing the power of God on the inside. Come on, say something to me. Not every church that says victory outreach on its sign outside the front doors is experiencing revival inside the four walls. And where there's a poor atmosphere, my friend, there's a poor environment. And where there's a poor environment, there's a spirit of dryness in the house. See, what the devil wants to do to us as leaders is he wants to keep us in a dry environment. See, that's what the world is. The world is a dry environment. We're constantly fighting against different environments. And today, if you're a leader that desires to grow, and if you want to see your church grow, and you want to see things begin to happen in your midst, you must learn to create the right environment. See, when a church can create an environment where the spirit of God is moving, there will be a hunger for the things of God. Can I hear an amen? I don't know about you, but I am not only addicted to the house of the Lord, but I am addicted to the presence of the Lord. Something happens when we get together in the presence of the Lord. How many can say amen? 
So when a church can create an environment where the spirit of the Lord is moving, there's a hunger, there's a passion, there's life. I want to say this to you. Not every church has life. Not every church preaches life. Not every leader preaches life. What comes out of you often is determined by the environment you find yourself in. You're not saying nothing to me this morning. So growth is the result of the right environment. Terry neighbor, you've got to get in the right environment. Why is the environment important? Because when you get the right environment, then you get the hunger, then you get the passion, then you get the excitement. And then once you get the excitement, then you get the growth. And then when you begin to get the growth, that's when you begin to get the leadership. Leaders are born in the right environment. And I believe here at Victor Outreach San Diego, we have worked diligently. We have done all we can, even in the midst of our struggles, even in the midst of our battles, even in the midst of three years of spiritual attack, we have done our best to protect the environment of the house. You're not saying nothing to me today. We've kept praying when we didn't feel like praying. We kept worshiping when we didn't feel like worshiping. We kept coming to church when all hell was breaking loose in our life. But something began to happen. God began to honor it. God began to pour out his spirit. God says, I'm with you, Victory Outreach. I'm with you, leader. I'm with you, pastor. Come on, somebody. See, the environment we develop will produce the leaders that we need so that the church can do what it's supposed to do. And how many know that the purpose of the church is warfare? That's the purpose of the church. Yes, the church is a hospital. It's a place of healing for those that are sick. Yes, the church is a school. It's a place of teaching for those who are without the information they need and without the spiritual education that they need. But once you've gotten healed and once you've gotten trained, it's time to go to war. Oh, you ain't saying nothing to me. Someone say, it's time for war. That's the purpose of the church. And more than ever, we need a church that will rise up to do spiritual battle. We need leaders that will recognize that the mission of the church is not just to gather together for a time of blessing and a time of teaching, but that the church will gather together for the purpose of warfare. Jesus himself said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why would Jesus speak like that? Because Jesus recognized the reason why he was building his church. He's building his church to do warfare against the enemy, to do warfare against demons, to do warfare against the spirits of this world that want to take control of our lives. Listen, friend, we are not here to play around with the world and to play around with the devil. We are here to do warfare against the enemy. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God in the pulling down of strongholds. Come on, somebody. Getting rid of those imaginations. Are there any spiritual war? warriors in this place tonight that recognize that it's time for the church to take a military stance say this with me say it's time for war and that's why the devil 
attacks leaders. That's why the enemy releases a fierce attack on leaders. He, he releases a fierce attack on your life. He, he releases a fierce attack because he knows that if he can attack a leader and he could uh, 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 hurt a leader, then he could destabilize the church. And if he could destabilize the church and he can cause for the people of God to be ineffective in the purpose that God has called them to. And I don't want you to be unaware of the fact that the devil wants to hurt you. Let me put it this way. It's not people that want to hurt you, leader. Your war is not against people. Come on, somebody you ever met that Christian? They say, oh, man, well, I'm not going to church because this person did this and this, that. See, that person has it all wrong. People, it's not people that hurt you. It's the spirit of the enemy working through people to try to hurt you. Come on, somebody, to try to come against you. And when the devil can blind you to his strategy, that's when a leader can be taken out. But not here at Victory Outreach San Diego. We're exposing the enemy and we're recognizing that the devil wants to hurt us. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. See, in order to move in the way that the Lord has intended for us to move, we need leadership that understands warfare. We need leadership in every area of the church. We need leadership not only within the four walls of the church, but we need leaders in the family. We need leaders at work. I was so blessed by one of our ELA students. We spent a number of weeks with our ELA. Is ELA in the house today? All right, man. You guys are being faithful. God bless you. I'm proud of you guys. But I, I, she put on Facebook how she got a promotion at work, and, and she gave a shout-out to ELA because a lot of things we were teaching in the Emerging Leaders Academy, we taught with the spirit that God not only wanted to raise up leaders in the church, but God wanted to raise up leaders in the community, raise up leaders at work. I believe that God wants to promote your work. You're not called to be an employee. You're called to be an employer. Come on, somebody. If there's a spirit of excellence in your life, how many desire a spirit of excellence? That that spirit of excellence doesn't stay here in the four walls. But that spirit of excellence follows you wherever you go. Come on, you might leave the church, but the spirit of excellence doesn't leave you. You're excellent in the house of the Lord. You're excellent at home. You're excellent in the ministry. You're excellent at work. You're excellent when you go to Starbucks. You're excellent on the golf course. You may suck at golf, but you're excellent in character. Talk to me, somebody. Tell your neighbor, you need to be excellent. Because there's different types of leaders. We're not just raising up preachers. We're raising up good fathers. We're not raising up just ministry leaders. We're raising up good mothers. We're not just raising up great hospitality people. Come on, somebody. We're raising up women of prayer and men of prayer. We're raising up spiritual warriors. Come on, somebody. We're raising up people that are not just blessed within these four walls, but a spirit of excellence follows you wherever you go. Why do you come under attack? Because the devil wants to hinder a spirit of leadership within your life. And that's why if you're a leader here tonight, you must recognize that a leader possesses three things. Write this down. Number one, a leader possesses obedience. Say this with me. Say obedience. What is obedience? Write this down. 
Obedience is my vow to God. Obedience is my vow to God. No matter how much the devil comes against me as a leader, I will not surrender my obedience. Because my obedience is my vow to my God. Say something to me. My obedience is my vow to God. When temptation comes my way, I will not succumb to temptation because my obedience is my vow to my God. See, we need leaders that will walk in obedience because when we answer the call of God, we recognize that we have to commit, watch this, to staying in step with his vision for our life. You know this very well, that God has a vision for you. Touch your neighbor, tell them God has a vision for you. Tell them it's a big vision. But you have to stay in step. You can't get off track. You can't let temptation get you. You can't let diversion get you. You can't let the devil trick you out of where God wants you to be in the next 12 months. Come on, somebody. You've got to be obedient. You've got to say, my obedience is my vow to my God. If you want to see God's plan materialize in your life as a leader, you must be obedient. God's plan for Israel was to take them into the possession of a promised territory. He says, I want to give you a promised territory. That's uh, something that could parallel to our lives, that there is a place and a space and a territory that God wants to give each and every one of us. But he told them in Joshua chapter 1, verse 6, he says, make sure that my word doesn't leave your mouth. Make sure that you walk according to my word. Now, leaders, you don't need to learn more about ministry. You need to learn more about the word of God. Because David said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not what? Sin against you. See, David recognized that if I sin, I'll be diverted from my destiny. See, why was the army in the book of Ezekiel defeated? Why were they brought into the valley of defeat? Why were they dry, very dry? You ever met that leader that they're so dry, they're just dry. It's like a dry piece of meat. You know, you ever had a dry piece of meat? You can't even chew it. You can't even digest it. It's not delightful. Come on, somebody. There's leaders like that in the house of the Lord. They're just dry. They're just, ugh, they're just dry. But if you look at their Bible, there's all kinds of dust on it. If you look at their knees, they're smooth. They don't play worship music. They play worldly music. Come on, so they don't watch preaching. They watch the Kardashians, and they, they know everything that's happening in pop culture. Now, I'm not saying that we're supposed to be, you know, we, we need to know what's going on. But if that's what dominates your mind, you're a dry leader. And you're off track, and you need to get back on track. Come on. Some of you are not clapping because you feel guilty right now. How many want to get to the place God wants you to be? So a leader must possess obedience. Secondly, a leader... Constantly pursues growth and development. If obedience is my vow to God, then growth and development is my vow to self. My destiny is so big. Your destiny is so big 
You need to make a vow to yourself. And your vow should be that I'm going to allow my hunger for God to grow every day. Let me tell you this today. A leader who doesn't take their spiritual growth seriously shouldn't expect anyone else to take it seriously. I, I, I meet so many leaders, oh, I really wish someone would work with me, but you don't even come to church. You miss whenever you want to. You don't come to things like this. Now, I know you're all here, so I'm not here to bash you, but y'all know someone like that that should be here tonight, but they're at home watching the Kardashians, like I told you. Come on, somebody. They're not, in, they're not positioning themselves for growth. How many know at least one person like that? Oh, man, you know, I know, you know, they want, they just, they want this and they want that, but they're not, they're, they're not showing any investment in themselves. Come on, somebody. They bicker. They complain. They're not willing. I, you ain't saying nothing to me here today. Now, I know I'm not talking about you, but we all know someone like that. Nod at me if you know what I'm talking about. They want to be taken, they want to be taken seriously as a leader. They want people to invest in them. They want people to pray for them. And, 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 you know, I wish someone would believe in me. Well, brother, I can't believe in you more than you believe in yourself. We need leaders that are going to understand that they are called by God, that they are chosen by God. They position themselves in the house of the Lord. They say, I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to develop. You go home. You look at their bookshelf. It's filled with books. They're, they're saying, what book should I read? Their Bible is all marked up. They're growing constantly. Come on, somebody. See, for the ministry to grow, the ministry must be filled with growing leaders. Lean over to your neighbor and ask them, are you still growing? And the reason I love the subject of leadership and the reason I want to just speak on leadership every time we get together and just talk about leadership and talk about leadership is because leadership is an unlimited subject. A true leader, someone say true leader, never stops growing. A true leader never arrives. A, new, a true leader never says, I know it all. I know everything. Some church kids, they think they know everything. You think you know everything because you saw your parents do it, but you ain't done nothing. You understand what I'm saying? There's no limit to growth. I believe that today we need to begin to remove the invisible limitations to our leadership. There's some leaders here tonight that you have succumbed or submitted yourself to invisible limitations. And tonight, I came to tell you that there's more in you that can be activated. There's things in you that God wants to bring out. You have unlimited potential. There's no limit to your growth. There's no limit to the heights you can reach. There's no limit to the places you can go. There's no limit to the impact you can make. Now, now, now watch. Watch why you only get three claps. Because someone told you you can't do it. Some of you can't get excited about unlimited growth because you have been hurt in the house of the Lord. 
You've been talked down to in the house of the Lord. Someone sideswiped you in the house of the Lord. Someone burned you. Some leader said you're always going to be this way. Someone said you're good for nothing. Someone stopped believing in you. Someone walked away from you. And what happened was the devil came in and he robbed you of your destiny. But now we are going into a new season where God is going to heal you. And God is going to restore your heart. Come on, somebody. And God wants to do certain and God wants to put his oil on you and say I'm the God of second and third chances you might have made a mistake in the past but if you have truly repented it is under the blood of Jesus I want to use your life I want to anoint you oh come on somebody I really believe that some of us are limited because we've been hurt in the house of the Lord and if you've been hurt I want you don't know that we serve a God that's able to heal you. Leaders pursue growth. They pursue development. And then the final thing is that leaders possess faith. Obedience is my vow to God. Growth and development is my vow to self. But faith is my vow to the next generation. Someone say, faith is my vow to the next generation. In other words, a leader who possesses faith, a leader who lives by faith, a leader who walks by faith and not by feeling, walks by faith and not by sight and doesn't allow the enemy to come in. Because how many of the devil wants your faith? I've been teaching you this. He wants your faith. He wants to rob your faith. He wants to dumb you down. He wants to minimize you. He wants to put you in a box. He wants you to say it's never going to happen. He wants you to walk defeated. He wants you to walk dry. He wants you to walk all messed up, all broken, all complex, all messed up. But how many of we are not going to walk like that? We're going to walk by faith. We're going to know the God that we serve. Listen, if you would be willing to walk by faith, it will be a vow to those that are watching you. Everybody has somebody that's watching them somebody's watching you. You ever heard that song? I always feel like somebody's watching me. It's true. Someone is watching you. Somebody's watching you. They might be a little kid watching you. They might be an unsafe loved one watching you. It might be someone at work watching you. Come on, somebody. But somebody has somebody watching them. And when they watch you walk by faith, even when you don't feel like it, going to church, even when you don't feel like it, giving, even when you don't feel like that, God not only builds you up, but God builds them up as well. Can I hear an amen? How are we going to grow this church from 1,000 to 2,000? It's when leaders learn to walk by faith and not by feeling and recognize that somebody's watching them. Someone's watching how you live. Someone's watching how you fight. Someone's watching how you keep smiling in the midst of your struggle. Come on, leaders. I came to teach you something here today. You might be feeling like giving up, but if you're feeling like giving up, you're in good company. Every leader has felt like giving up every leader has felt like throwing in the towel every leader has felt like quitting but you know what we do when we feel like quitting we keep on walking by faith we keep on trusting God we say devil you can't have my praise devil you can't have my faith devil you can't have my you ain't saying oh. sit down this is supposed to be teaching tonight somebody's watching you Someone is watching you. That's why we need to be like Jabez and pray to the Lord and say, Lord, enlarge my territory. 
Some of us need to start asking God to give you greater influence. Start stepping out by faith. Start discipling somebody. Start using your faith to take you into a new level and to break, begin to break barriers within your life. Now, there are four barriers that every leader is going to encounter at some point in their walk with the Lord. I'm going to give you this real fast and I'm going to be done. You get some so far? Actually, three, three barriers I'll give you. I don't have time to do four, but I'll give you three. Three barriers tonight. Every leader must break. Every leader is going to face a barrier at some point in your life. Even maybe now, you know, you say, man, pastor, this is a right on word for me because there's some things. I'm hitting some things in my life. I've felt like giving up. I've felt like throwing in the towel. I've felt like leaving the church. I, I, I felt like stop, stopping serving. All these different things happen to a leader. Look, at, if that's never happened to you, it's going to happen. So the first leader, the, the first barrier every leader's face is they face, number one, spiritual barriers. Every leader here tonight at some point is going to hit a spiritual wall. Every leader is at some point going to come under spiritual attack. Now, let me tell you how sneaky the devil is, is that there are many leaders in the church that are under spiritual attack, but they don't even know they're under spiritual attack. They don't even know it. There's even some here today, tonight, tonight. you're here. You know, you're here. You, you don't miss anything. You're at everything. You're here tonight. You'll be here on Sunday. You'll be here on Sunday night. You might even be serving. But you know, you may not even understand that you're under spiritual attack. And it's important to be able to recognize as a leader. I believe that we would lose less leaders if they could recognize properly that even though they're in the house and they're in the safety of the church, and they're at their post and at their position. I believe we would lose less leaders if they could understand what it was to be under spiritual attack. And you might be here tonight and be like that. See, sometimes we think just because we're here, we're not under attack. But leaders, even in the house of God, come under attack. What does that feel like? What does that look like? Well, you know you're under spiritual attack when the Christian life begins to annoy you. See how real that got? You're like, dude, he went there right away because I'm annoyed right now. He's annoying me. This one's annoying me. Sister so-and-so over here is annoying me. You're heavily annoyed. You're under attack. Preaching annoys you. The music annoys you. you, you even, some of you even hear your family members that come to church and say, man, I love the church. But, oh, God, it's so annoying. Under attack. They're under attack. You see Christian bumper stickers, annoying. Preachers on TV, annoying. You get fed up with the Christian life. You get fed up with church. You get fed up with people. You get fed up with people. And even though you're here, you'd rather be doing other things. And let me say this to you tonight. If you're in that place and you don't recognize it, in just a short amount of time, you will be doing other things. See how I understand it? See how I get it? See, some of you are new. You don't get it. You're like, why do I feel like this? Why do I feel like going to that concert tonight instead of being in church? It's because you're under attack. Why do I feel like turning on Drake and not turning on the worship song? 
Well, because you're a flesh monster. No, yeah, yeah. no, because you're under attack. What's happening is that, watch this, your mind is exalting itself above the word. Your, your, your ways are exalting themselves above the word. You're under attack. How do you know you're under attack? Not only do you get fed up, but you're bored in church. You're bored in the house of the Lord. You're bored. You're bored. There's no excitement. You, there's no excitement. You make the preacher work. You make this, the worship. Poor Marky and Shana, they're up there dancing and kicking and <laughs> kicking people and flipping and you sitting there with that, I dare you to bless me face. You can't sing, can't say amen, can't lift your heck. No, I'm, it's not that. I'm deep. No, you're not deep. You're under attack. No, it's not that. No, it's the, you're under attack. There was a time when you used to praise the Lord. There was a time when you used to dance at the altar. There, oh, you ain't saying nothing to me. There was a time when you used to stay to the midnight hour because you were addicted to the presence of the Lord. Now you're dry as a bone. You're in the valley and you're very dry. You're here, but you're dry. You're here, but you're dry. But you know what? Tonight you can get the anointing back. God could fill you once again. The Holy Spirit could take control again. Am I doing okay, Z? The third thing is that you have a critical spirit. You're judging everybody. He's oh, preaching on that again. How was, this, how was the service, man? It was powerful. I heard, heard God's doing great things in your church. That was all right. Everything's all right. How was the food? That was all right. How's the music? That was all right. You're under attack. You're under attack. What was such, what was so much life to you at one time is now just all right. You're under attack. You're losing it. The devil's getting you. The world is getting in. The sin is coming in. There's compromising your life. You open the door. It's all right. Critical spirit. Where's all the money go? Where's all the money go? Where's all the money go? Here, here, here. Hey, you want AC? Okay, then shut up and pay your tithes and stop saying where does the money go. Please, stop it. We could be a hot church if you want. Want to be hot church, get fans? Okay, then shut up. Come on, somebody. And then, you know, the worst thing, how you know you're under attack, is this reality today. And I spoke about this. I think it's worth saying is that you begin to lay down your gifts. And that's the ultimate plan. That's the ultimate plan. That's why this army was defeated. Because at one time they carried a sword. At one time they, they were doing battle against the enemy. They were being the church. They were pushing the devil back. But then they got dry, and then they got diverted, and they got away from the word. So then they put their sword down. They went to go pick up a shovel and a rake and a hoe. They went from doing the work of God to working on personal projects. You ever met that leader that you can't get them to serve anymore? Can't get them to give anymore? Well, I've done my time, and it's time for the young people to take over. Man, you, you're dry. You're, you're under attack. It's time to pick up the sword again. It's time to start activating your gift. 
That's why I, that's why I tell you, the, the worst thing we can do as a church is pray for more. That's not our prayer. Our prayer is not to pray for more people, to pray for more leaders to walk in and save us. We don't need no one to come here and save us. All we need to do is activate what we already have. We don't need to go out and hustle 500 leaders. I don't need another worship leader to come in. I don't need another preacher to come in. I don't need more men's home and women's home directors to come in. I don't need more ushers. I don't need no more Bible study leaders. It's already in the house. We just got to get you to activate your gift and activate your... T come on, somebody. It's time to activate and pick up your weapon. See, that's what the devil wants. He wants to injure the gifted. So the first barrier is the spiritual barrier. The second barrier, I'm almost done, is they face, is that leaders will face relational barriers. Relational barriers. You know the, the problem with leaders is that they never make it to the third level of relationship. The first level of relationship is dependency. Okay? Or it's dependence. Say dependence. The second level is independence. But they never make it to the third level relationship, which is interdependence. Now, let me show you. When we all got saved, we came in dependent. You ain't saying nothing to me. In other words, we came in all messed up. If you ever spent time in one of our recovery homes, boy, you came in dependent. Come on, somebody. Some of us came in, walked into the house of the Lord, dependent. We didn't even have our self-esteem. We needed to be taught. We needed to be trained. We said, Pastor, I need you to feed me. I need someone to build me up. I need someone to speak into my life. Some of you needed money. We gave you money. We gave you money. We gave you a couch to sleep on. We gave you a room at our house. Come on, son. We charge you very low rent. We helped you get a car. We helped you fix your credit. Come on. We, we, we even cleaned you, your funky self up and got you a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You ain't he saying nothing to me. Why? Because you were dependent. And once you took all you needed... Can I talk? You went from being dependent to now all of a sudden independent. At one time you needed us for everything. And now you don't need nobody. Now you got a job. You got all your teeth. You're like, hey, nice. See these things? Got blessed. Looking good. Got a nice shirt on, nice suit. Nice pair of shoes. Come on, somebody. Talk to me. And this is the problem with young adults. They come independent. We train them. Then they become independent. And now they think they can do it on their own. Went through the training center. Went through the home. Went through the Bible study. Been in the church. And now all of a sudden, you, you are, you're somebody. You're somebody. All right, you're, you're somebody. I'll give you that. You're somebody. But God wants to take you to the next level. Not from being dependent to being independent, but now he wants you to become interdependent. What is interdependence? Is when after you've gotten all you've need, needed, spiritually, financially, emotionally, come on somebody. Now, 
you can help someone else in the same way somebody helped you. And if you're a leader here tonight and you're constantly seeking to grow, you must also recognize that you need to position your life under a leader that's stronger than you. Are you hearing me today? You know, I know I have a young church, but you know what some of you young people need to learn how to do? You know, and even some of you older ones that you think you know. But you know what you need to learn how to do? You need to learn how to let different types of people speak into your life. Everybody's burned me. Everybody let me down. I, you don't know what I've been through. No, 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 honey. I know what you've been through. So what you need is you need healing first. You need to spend time at this altar. You need to get into prayer. You need to be healed by the anointed Lord. You need the oil of heaven to be poured on your life. You need your heart healed. You need those cracks in your life healed. You need those little secret issues eradicated and uprooted from your life. You, it needs to be pulled from the root. You need a little surgery. But once you get your surgery, then you need to put yourself under a leader that's going to coach you and that's going to help you. Why are you not clapping? See, see how hard it is? What, you don't know how people are. No, I know how people are. But there are good people here that want to pour themselves into your life and help you. Why do pastors stop growing? Why do pastors, their church stays at 100 people forever? 80 people, 75 people. Because they're too independent. They're too independent. They think all the information's in a book. Bro, I'm going to tell you right now, there ain't no book you can buy at Berean or Christian wherever or online, abooks.com. I don't care how many conferences you go to. Nothing you can learn out there is going to help you grow your church. What's going to help you grow your church is when you get under somebody that has been where you've been and has broken the barriers that you are seeking to break yourself. It goes for every area of our life. You've got to get into relationship. Somebody say relationship. I'm almost done. How much time do I have? Five minutes? Okay. The problem, see, here's what I've learned is that when God wants to do something new in your life, he always brings someone in that will help you get there. Okay. And that person is going to look like something you've never seen before. That person is going to carry something that you're like, what is this that they have? And it's going to look like work on your part. But you better remember that what you need is always wrapped up in work. Blessing always comes dressed in overalls. Come on, somebody. Why don't people go lose weight? Because they don't want to go in the gym. You're like, oh, no, 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 I don't go in there. It's hot in there. It's sweaty in there. It hurts in there. I'd rather be at Lolita's. I'd rather be at the taco truck. Boom, boom, boom. And then you don't lose weight. Come on, somebody. You try to buy those pills late night. I think if I take this pill, no, you ain't good. No, no, no. You need to get yourself 
and get into the work and get into a place of discomfort and get around people that are going to challenge you and get around people that are going to tell you that you don't what you don't want to hear get around people that are going to deal with your stuff you ain't saying nothing to me get out get around people that aren't going to take excuses from you that aren't going to take no for an answer come on somebody get in around people that are going to shake you up a little bit stir you up a little bit don't get offended don't get hurt you say you wanted to grow if you want to grow don't talk to me but if you want to grow come talk to me and I'm going to tell you the truth and I'm going to see why do leaders burn out and I'm almost done come on up well you can come on up keyboard thank you Matthew why do they burn out because too many leaders walk alone in the house and work alone in the house and when you walk alone and you work alone that's when the devil begins to hurt you remember I told you the devil wants to hurt you tell your neighbor the devil wants to hurt you what does the scripture say? Two are better than one. I've taught you this. A threefold cord, what? Right? It says they have more blessing, more success, and when the enemy attacks, they have more strength. We need relationship. Because when we're in relationship, we have more strength and we're protected, watch this, from mission fatigue. We're protected from burnout and that's what the devil wants he wants you alone so that he can burn you out why are some leaders not here because they just burned out the devil came in and burned them out just took everything they had and started burning them out what, what happened to Elijah let me tell you when attack comes are you guys learning something I really want you to catch this Attack will either come after your greatest victory or before your greatest breakthrough. Write that down. Attack for a leader comes either after their greatest victory or before their greatest breakthrough. Elijah, the prophet, killed 400 prophets of Baal. Remember that story? And then what happened to him? You guys know the Bible. What happened to him? He got what? He got depressed. And he says, kill me. I'm the only one. So then God sends him an angel. Watch. He says, get up and eat. Okay, there's a lot to this. I'm not going to give it. Get up and eat. Get strengthened. He went back to sleep. After he woke up, the Lord told him, Elijah, watch what he said. I have 7,000 others that haven't bowed down. Here's how I interpret that scripture. Why do you think you're the only one doing it? Why do you think that much years? I'm the only one who cares about evangelism. No, it's that you're isolated. I'm the only one that cares about the young people. I, I'm the only one that takes them to tacos or pizza after service. Nobody goes. No, you're isolated. I'm the only one that cares about running for hope. I'm the only one that cares about the Bible study. I'm the only one that does follow. I'm the only one. I'm the only one. I'm the only one. Oh, Elijah, chill out. There are 7,000 others that you could be partnering with to get the victory. Come on and clap. I'm almost done. Come on and clap. You're not the only one. Tell your neighbor, you're not the only one. And these are barriers that we're going to have to face. I guess I'm not going to get to the last one. 
But the last one I'll tell you is this, is that you're going to all face financial barriers. And if we can measure your commitment based on your giving, I wonder what your commitment would look like. You know, what would it look like? If we measure your commitment based on your financial giving, what would it look like? See, our giving says something about what we believe. And I know many of you are givers. Many of you practice tithes. But there's some of us here that the reason you don't break through financially is because you haven't done warfare with your money. You're losing against the spirit of mammon in your life. Money carries a spirit. Are you hearing me today? And the spirit of mammon is beating you up. Ooh, see how quiet it is over here, Vic. See, Vic, how quiet it is? And God told the people of Israel this. He says, you could do warfare with your money. Watch. You could do warfare with your money. Tell your neighbor, you can do warfare with your money. Watch. I know some of you givers are going to love this. He said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there might be food in my house. Watch. And watch this, that I would not throw open the floodgates of heaven. Watch this. And what? You know it. And what? Rebuke. That's a warfare word. That God says when you take your money and you do what you're supposed to do with it and you begin to bring the tithe, you activate the God of war against the spirit of the devourer that is... He's a God of war, church. How many know he's a God of war? And if we want to see the victory in our finances, all we've got to do is practice the word of God and bring the tithe. And God says, I will rebuke the devil. How many want to see that devil rebuke? How many want to see that I'm done preaching? Want to see that devil defeated? Come on and shout. Come on and give God a praise in here right now. We're going to war. We're activating a spirit of war in our leadership. Hallelujah. Did you get something tonight? Wow, I'm done. What time is it, Z? I have two minutes left? I'm two minutes over, huh? Okay, I'm done. Father, we thank you today for these leaders. Thank you for this word. Thank you for Pastor Tom that's going to come and just continue to take us to another level. I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts, God. I thank you that you're with us, God. If God be for us, who could be against us, God? You're mobilizing us. You're positioning us for blessing, oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. amen.